Is there a military draft coming? Will this generation stand for it? What does it mean for our future? What condition is our military in? All this and more. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Create Your Own Life Show. I am your host, Jeremy Ryan Slate, the CEO and co-founder of Command Your Brand. We help to combat cancel culture by placing our clients on the right podcast and new media. You can grab our brand new PR book, ranked number one on Amazon over at bestpodcastbook.com. Reminder before we jump into today's conversation to comment on, like this video, and smash that subscribe button if you support liberty, freedom, and want to build a better future. So we have a return guest with us today that has been on the show I believe this is his third time because really we find so much value in what he has to deliver and his experience and, and a lot of what he does and um, his his practice as well as um, his, his experience in the military. So welcome back to the show, Wiley McGraw. Jeremy, brother, thank you again for having me. Appreciate it. So, so for people that may not have heard your first couple appearances on the show, I definitely recommend <laughs> they check our feed and find them because there's a lot of great nuggets there. But tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, man. Oh, I'll do my short version. <laughs> uh, I'm a, I grew up a, an athlete. I saw sports uh, introduced me to the world of leadership. It introduced me to the world of discipline, mindset, and focus. Took that throughout my uh, adolescent years into high school and got into the world of competitive bull riding from that place because I wanted to expand my personal capabilities and capacity, understand a little bit more about who I was rather than what I was born into because having a father being a, a baseball player, that's all you know. I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a, a kid, uh, the oldest boy of three, uh, three sons, we all played sports. That was just our whole world. It was like our religion outside of being Catholic. So we, we grew up in that environment, being around pros, learning how, what it means to be disciplined, focused, and, and, and fundamentally um, prepared for life itself. And then when I got into the world of bull riding, I found a whole new wild side of myself that I've been kind of like waiting to meet. And I found in that wild world, uh, what it means to be calm in chaos, learning how to focus when you are out of control with certain situations and circumstances. And I found through my five years of competitive bull riding, an ability to manage and handle the fear of the unknown and utilize that at, as an asset for my performance. Mm-hmm. But at, at that point, I was in high school, I started riding bulls, I loved it, but I wanted more. So I decided to join the United States Army. My family's a legacy, legacy military family from World War II on grandfathers of D-Day vets, uh, my father's Vietnam, uncle's Vietnam, stepdad's Desert Storm, all the way. My, both my brothers are GWAT veterans and I are GWAT veterans. And the military really, really gave me an insight look into the most chaotic parts of our world and what um, performing under pressure really means. So as a human being, as me, as Wiley and the kind of man I wanted to become, I really got this holistic viewpoint through my life experiences about who I was, what kind of gift I possess, what I was meant to do out in the world. And after I got out of the military, after three combat tours with 101st Airborne Division as an infantryman, um, I wanted to seek that self-mastery and really discover how do I live a life without the stress and chaos that I have endured? And what does it mean for others to do the same? And then I built this business around my gift, my ability to see and expose the blind spots and the limitations of people and actually problem solve those, eradicate them, and accelerate their personal and professional performance as a result. So the business that I run now over the last 14 years is Radical Performance Acceleration. And I work behind the scenes with leaders and CEOs, some public figures, some pro athletes, and really holistically 
challenging and optimizing their lives so that they can match their personal and professional performance and actually live a life of peace and satisfaction with the successes they create, uh, all while doing it without the typical self-help programmatic step-by-step limited processes most people get stuck with. So that's my whole story in a nutshell, Jeremy. And I, you know, people can find me as well having these conversations with you and others on online as well, but I hope that helps. Yeah, and what we'll do for people watching this on on YouTube or on Rumble, we're going to link up those previous those previous appearances on the show because I definitely think people need to dive into you know what you have to to teach in your story because I think there's a lot of value in that. But today we're going to talk about something a little bit different, and I, I really wanted to get your viewpoint on kind of the the global situation we have going on right now because we we look at it and we have a lot of different things popping up. And it's it's interesting because I feel like uh, we have uh, Dr. Olga Ravasi coming back on the show next week to talk kind of about the, right. the geopolitical situation. But it feels like World War III could kind of pop up in one of 10 places at the moment. Like things feel a little out of control. And I guess, how does the current situation of our military fit in? And, and I guess, what does the current military situation look like in your opinion? Mm. Strong opinion, for sure. <laughs> Especially being a, a GWAT veteran and, and watching and listening to how bad it has become from not only an outside in approach, but also knowing people that are still in right now is very sobering. Um, I'm watching a lot of my fellow veterans uh, tell people don't join the military. It's it's starting to reduce people's desire and motivations to serve because I, I've shared this before. I'm going to share with you and, and your audience now is that what is now out front and leading the way with our perspectives is our politicians, the the whole greed of our politicians, the warmongering, uh, the, the globalist elite. Everybody hears these terms and they say, well, why would you want to serve in the military for those people, for those causes? Uh, but those causes have always been there. They, it's like since World War II, we've had politicians that have, are playing three-dimensional chess behind the scenes. Does not mean our patriotic duties still don't matter. It just means that they, that part of our global agenda has not been so prominent and out in front as it has been, especially now that Elon Musk has X bought X and now everybody's talking about it. It has been exposed. So for me, when I see what's going on right now and the unfortunate um, erosion of our military from within because of the DEI and the Marxist policies and the lack and willpower of leadership to challenge that, we're causing fractures across the spectrum of our society, and, and it's forcing people to pick sides sometimes at, at the, uh, I would say, the detriment to our country. Mm-hmm. For me personally, my opinion is the military is becoming weak from the inside because of leadership. We are lacking real grit, metal, and determination for leaders to stand in the face of this type of adversity. And we're letting people's feelings direct policy rather than focusing on what matters in the United States military, which is war fighting and protecting the nation and its values. Um, that has not gone anywhere. We, we don't suddenly just become a third world country that's under dictator rule simply based on the, the backs of people's opinions. It has to gradually happen in America. And I think that's what's happening right now. And globally speaking, I don't support any of the wars that are going on, but it doesn't mean I don't want to see our military thrive and to see our country sustain the blows that it's constantly getting. Yeah, and I think that's the difficulty in it too, because I know you're you're very much an America first guy, and I, and I think one of one of the issues with that too is people look at that and they say, okay, well, no mm-hmm. more foreign wars, and at the same time, you have to look at, well, do you just let your country collapse? And I think to to right. say that like you know I don't have a duty to do something, and and that's I think your viewpoint on things, like I guess how do you how do you wrestle with that? Like like looking at mm-hmm. like you know a duty to you know make sure the country stays strong, but like maybe I don't agree with like how the administration's handling things right now. 
That's a, that's a great, uh, good question, Jeremy. Um, I look at it as regardless of what what my feelings or opinions are on the the latter, it, it's still the fact that my country matters to me. My fellow Americans matter to me. I, I'm a soldier. Uh, I'm also an American citizen. Uh, I value the liberties that we uh, we have now that were fought for and bled for and died for by others that came before me. I have respect for that. I think the only way we can continue that is if people are willing to make those necessary sacrifices to do it even in the face of these types of bad policies, bad leadership, um, never ending wars that we tend to seem, seem uh, look, we're Americans right now, especially we are completely exhausted from the 20 plus years of, of the global war on terrorism in Afghanistan and in Iraq and rightfully so. So we don't want to see more wars. We're not ready to go back into another major conflict. But if you look at the byproducts of what's going on right now is we're being drawn right back into it because we haven't done any real work to clean up or heal around what traumas we went through for the last 20 years. We are just repeating that same cycle. So for me, it's like, okay, but how do we stop the erosion of our military and the degradation of our country if people that have the, the, the ability to lead from the front aren't willing to actually step up and get into the fight again? And they're going to stem back and from the, the rear go and, and, and advise people to not do it and tell people what the problems are rather than being a solution oriented and problem solving by getting back into that fight, if you will. And the last thing I would say with that is you are astutely aware of this. There are a lot of people that should hold power in our country that absolutely refuse to step up and hold it. And I think that's the other thing, too, is we got a lot of guys that talk about it. Mike Lover, Jocko Willink, Andy Stump, all those guys talk about this stuff constantly. There are a lot of them that should be in these positions to take and, and, and use their power to change the landscape of leadership from within. But if they don't step into the fight and they're from the outside advising, there's only a certain amount of progress we can make in saving what we have. And we're going to further just experience this ongoing breakdown of American democracy or republic, uh, you know, as a constitutional republic with uh, representative democracy. We're going to see that fall apart. And then people are just going to keep watching the car drive right off the cliff and then wonder when they're in free fall, how did we get here? And that to me is like unacceptable for me. It's like if I can participate, given my background, my leadership in the fight and get into the, the situation where I can bring some some semblance of change and start inspiring some hope and giving people the permission to step up and say, you know what, it's OK to make these sacrifices and do it despite what's going on, um, then I'm going to participate as much as I can at that. I don't want to sit back and just run my mouth. I want to actually provide real world solutions that can start changing the direction we're headed because We've got out of control politicians that aren't listening to the American people anymore. How do you stop that? You've got to have people inside that can start advising them and pushing back on them and aren't afraid of their own careers being sacrificed as a result. So I guess from your viewpoint, like, I guess, what does that change and what does progress look like in that area too? Like, 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 how do we start to see the right movement in there? <clears throat> That's, it's going to, I, I think it, it's a hard thing. It's a very complex, you know, uh, I can easily say this out loud, but it's very yeah. complex on the, uh, on the surface. But I think it's about building consortiums of patriot, patriotic Americans that are willing to putting putting the rhetoric, the adolescent rhetoric and name calling and you know libel and defamation and everything that has become the norm when people are communicating with each other, put that aside and really show up together to create, I would say, like, a, like I said, that consortium or think tank of problem solving, real world solutions that actually can, in fact, influence the powers that be. Now, I understand there's way more to it than we know. There are obviously 
powers that we're unaware of that are controlling a lot of pulling a lot of the strings does not mean we still don't have an impact where we can. And, and I think that's, it starts with, again, I would say, I'm just going to challenge people. Let's get off social media. It's like easy to sit on social media all day long and bitch about the problem. But the reality is, can you step up and create organizations and start creating a movement to gather Americans that are, are truly committed to these changes happening and get the real solutions presented so that you can then storm, and I use that in air quotes, storm the hill the right way and bring about real radical solutions that actually challenge the, the this ongoing hypocrisy and never ending like gaslighting and third three-dimensional chess are playing with us. To me, it's for the military, you got to get into the military. You got to get people back in and you have to overwhelm the force of the Marxist movement that's in there with people that are all about the constitution. And we're, that's what's happening. We're kicking out the good people and we're letting the, the dirtbags stay in. Uh, and that's the real problem here. And I think there was a World War II vet um, Speranza, who's his name, he just passed away. Uh, Bastone was his, like, he was known for this, his, his heroics in Bastone. Um, Air, 101st Airborne vet as well. He said, freedom is dangerous. And it's, it, and, and he says, you know, it's when it's on the line, basically I'm, I'm botching this, but when it's on the line, you have to be willing to step up and make those necessary sacrifices. And the younger generation, it's your turn. You're like you have to be willing to step up and make those sacrifices. You can't just sit back and say, yeah, forget, I'm going to drop the, the ball here and just expect what you cherish as your freedoms to, to continue into the future if you're not willing to do something about it. And I think that's the problem is people are selfish. They're self-motivated. There's, there's, they're uncomfortable with the idea of making sacrifices and they don't want to participate in something that takes them outside of those comforts. And that's the real issue here. And I guess when we look at it, you know, military readiness right now is is a real issue. And I know you've had conversations with yeah. other veterans about like, you know, will there be a draft? Is there something that's coming? And I guess <clears throat> my question would be like, you look at it, um, you know, you know, my generation, I'm I'm closing on 40 and then you have the generation below me, which I don't know, is that generation Z or whatever the hell that is? I, 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 don't, I, don't, <laughs> I, I have so. trouble keeping track of these generations because yeah, even like yeah. I just read the book, uh, The Fourth Turning is here. It's the latest edition on the Fourth Turning series. And he's changed the name of what he's calling the generations, which has made it very hard to track. But I guess looking at it, how do you think like, number one, do we see a draft type situation? And number two, like, how do you think the current... Um, you know, generations available to that draft actually handle that. If you appreciate the work that we do here and you want to support this show, the biggest way you can do that is by supporting the products that we know, use, and love and that I recommend for you here on the show. The first that I want to talk about is MyPillow, literally one of my favorite products. The MyPillow Classic is what I use every single night. It's handled a lot of my neck pain, a lot of my back pain. As you guys know, I've been a competitive powerlifter since my early 20s, I've retired from that, but I still take pretty good care of myself, and I'm still pulling some heavy weights as I pulled 500 last week on deadlift. And uh, our favorite product from we travel is actually the MyPillow Travel Pillow, and it's one of the things that we actually give to absolutely everybody. It is a great product to fall asleep on, so if you want to go to MyPillow.com slash C-Y-O-L, they have some really great holiday deals over there. You can get up to 66% off of select products. Also... One of the biggest changes in my life over the years has been handling a lot of the parasites in my body. A number of years ago, I did a cleanse with uh, Dr. Jason Dean, and we removed these things called liver fluke from my body. They were actually eating my liver. It was kind of crazy. And every few months, I do either a parasite cleanse or his full moon detox that he's doing right now. So if you want to head over to bravetv.store slash C-Y-O-L and uh Grab some of his amazing products over there. I know he has a great holiday special going on right now as well. 
support our sponsors. They help the show to continue and they help us to do what we're doing. And we could not do it without you. And you could do it just by uh, using the power of the purse and uh, supporting the products that we love. Thanks, situation. Ooh, that's uh, great. Number one, um, the cons- the idea of at least a limited conscription is near, and I and I say that with eighty percent confidence uh, that many of the conversations I have had with some military brass and some other pol- political figures that I have I've known over the years, um, especially right now, even Doctor uh, Olga, you were you talking about her and I have had a conversation, and it's interesting is. If you've noticed in our media, they have teased out the idea. You know, you and I have talked about it as well online uh, about the idea. The Hill has reported on it. People have talked about the idea of a a partial draft coming back. Um, And what they're doing there with that, number one, is they're testing they're beta testing the, the, the public's reaction to the idea that if we were to implement a conscription or a draft, it, because we don't have the force numbers to handle a major conflict with one of our many different adversaries that we are, like you talked about earlier, they're on the table right now. Um, they're going to have no no choice but to start plucking out from the public. I don't think they're going to do a full Vietnam era full blown draft. I think that would cause massive uh, chaos in communities all around the country. However, they're beta testing it to see how people react. And number two, unfortunately, a lot of these younger generations, the majority of them aren't even qualified for military service to begin with. So they couldn't even make it through the thresholds. I mean, I'm 44 years old and I'm still qualified for service and some of these kids are not. So um, they would lose their minds. There's, I don't think, I think it would mentally and emotionally break them at the idea that they are being forced into the military. And on top of that, for me, if I go back in myself, I, if I'm in a situation on a combat operation, I definitely don't want people that are absolutely TikTok oriented and hellbent on uh, avoiding sacrifice at all costs next to me or anywhere near being my support because that's 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 a weak link. That's in a the, very the important unit. point too because if you right. look at it too, like you know whether it's the military or even um, you know like you know going back to the days of of you know the the army and Thebes and the phalanx, like you know right. you wanted a guy next to you that was you could you wouldn't have to worry about your left or your right or your, or your rear because you had somebody there. And I think right. to me that's not something people are considering. Like for for you, you know, or or somebody else serving, like do you want somebody next to you that you don't think has your left or your right or your, or your that's your a good point yep and that, that the military even uh, i was with andy stump uh, a year or so ago and we were talking exactly about that where it's we in the military at the time we were all in you know late 90s into the 2000s and obviously the entire war in afghanistan and iraq we didn't have to worry about the guy to the left and the right of us at all so that allowed us to stay focused on our our job and our responsibilities in the position we were in we are all centrally focused on the mission at hand. There was no selfishness in there. So nowadays, society has conditioned, people are so conditioned to be selfish and to be motivated by uh, their feelings and what, what makes them feel comfortable, their likes, the followers, et cetera. The idea of having to give up anything for the person to the left or right of them is, is not in their purview. So having that in the military is scary. There are a lot of guys that are out there right now that are still qualified that serve, and I know they don't want to do it. But here's a go back to your question about conscription. The idea here is I did some research. I talked to some folks I know at the VA. We are as global war and terrorism veterans. We, if we are not 100% permanent total service connected, we are still exposed to potentially being plucked out of the pool up to the age of 60 if we are medically capable. Wow. That is, that is a loose term that I read about. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. However, do, do your research. But, but that, that's interesting too, because I know even like, you know, going back yeah. to the days of like, you know, the Army of Alexander. They called the guys over 40 silver shields and, yeah, uh, right. 
you knew like situations weren't really doing so hot if you were plucking from the silver shields because those guys, especially in that day and age, should have been retired. Right. And that's the whole point. We were, that's the point. Go back to that World War II vet. Uh, Vincent Speranza is his name. And he says, young people, freedom is not free. You know, and he has this video on, you can find it on Instagram. Um, and he talks about it's a responsibility of us to step up when it is our turn. But right now we're hitting a wall where we've all served. A lot of us have lost friends. A lot of us are suffering with the scars of combat. Um, and now we're sitting here, we're going, we should be moving on to that typical retirement where we become the older ones that turn around and provide the wisdom and advisement to the younger generations. That's how societies function well and are supposed to function well, but ours is not doing that. And it's because technology has advanced way too fast. People are giving, giving the leeway for others to do, be, say, and have whatever they want and without consequence. And it's causing again, a lot of dysfunction where people are saying, you know what, I don't care about you. I care about me and I don't want to do anything to give back to what has given to me. And to, to us, we're going, well, that leaves us on the hook because guess what? I would rather join the military right now and be ready for anything that comes our way than rather than pluck me out and say, hey, check it out, Wiley. You got to come back in. And on top of that, Jerry, you'd probably give me a job I don't want to do. It's like, you're going to be a big wheel mechanic. And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a door kicker. I don't want to be a big wheel mechanic. So I'm just thinking like, what do we do here? Here are our pros and cons we have to weigh. Given the global circumstances and crisis going on and our own country's issues, what do we do? That's hard. But sometimes you have to just swallow and go, you know what? I'm still a patriot about my country. I love my country. I serve for a reason. I, do, I, do I do it? Okay. Maybe I'm willing to do it. If it comes down to it, I will. Uh, and I'd rather be in the choice rather than being in the forced. That's how I look at it. Well, and I think it's interesting too, because the, the, you have the, the, the famous quote from Teddy, Ro Teddy uh, Roosevelt, speak softly and carry a big stick. And if you look 100%. at it, you know, a strong American military doesn't mean we need to use it, but it's a, it's a very no. good deterrent. And if you look at a lot right. of the situations happening right now, we had, um, we're recording this the day after, you know, last night we had uh, two very yeah, different media situations. You had, you know, President Biden that was quoting, um, you know, talking to the the president of Mexico about the 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 border wall in Gaza, which is just what what's happening, and then you have Putin like not that I agree with him, you know, the guy's seventy one and he's still sharp as attack, and he he you you look at that and I think that inspires confidence in the people fighting for him, but you look at Biden and and people say, well, you know, America's yeah. weak because their their leader is weak, and I think we have to take a look at you know, being more of that speak softly and carry a big stick. And, and we don't look that way right now, man. No, that's, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because it all starts and stop with leadership, period. Full stop. I don't care what anybody, anybody says. It's like, well, you have to give responsibility to the people that are on the teams, if you will. Yes, we have our responsibilities, but it is the leader's responsibility, first and foremost, to set the standard, to lead by example, and to accept responsibility, whether it's good or bad. And you've got good quality leaders. There's a guy named Chuck Ritter who's on, uh, he's a, a SF guy, um, Sergeant Major. And he talks about that as well. He had one of his posts that he talked about where it doesn't matter. You have to be willing to fall on your sword as a leader for the betterment of those you lead. And I think the problem with Biden and his administration is we have a lot of, unfortunately, legacy media is they are the yes men for him. They're, they're gaslighting us and telling us everything's fine. It's like, unfortunately, you're telling us what we see with our own eyes is, is, is not true. Hear with our own ears is not true. And that's the problem is we can see it. It's like, I'm not going to sit here and say, uh, talk badly about Biden and, and, and name call him. I, but I do right. see where the fact that he's a failed leader, period. And a story. He's failing miserably and his administration's failing. And you, you don't want to, I, I say that confidently, especially with the clients that I work with that tr and trust me is because 
come into their lives, look at the byproducts of their actions around them. You want to know the truth about how a leader is performing? Look at the the problems that are, are starting to create around that leader and the byproducts of what they have left in their wake. And right now, the fact is things are only getting worse under this administration. You can gaslight me all day long. A real leader should know when to fall on their sword and say, you know what? I've got to pass the baton. I've got to step back. I've got to do what's right for my country instead of believing in their heads. They know what's right and they're going to grip around that power. And then having yes men, yes men telling everybody, no, no, everything is good. And then bashing the other side. And then this, we have this adolescent childlike high school court, you know, schoolyard fight kind of thing going on in politics. And we're sitting here going, dude, you're leading us right into another major conflict. And you're going to act like we don't see that. Oh my God. And that's the problem. We have our politicians like Lindsey Graham. And uh, I think who is it? I, I, you look at someone like Lindsey Graham and I, I, I think frankly, like the language <sighs> someone like you, him has used on, on Twitter or on, on X immediately after things have happened, like that's unconscionable because you look at that and, it is. and, and this, this came up in the, the conversation with, with Tucker and Putin last night is, is Chuck right. Schumer had made statements about, well, you know, if you don't give us the money for Ukraine now, there's going to be American boots in the ground there in the next year or two. And, <laughs> and Putin's like, the thing our politicians don't consider is Putin says, well, that, that, that's a, a, a threat, a weak threat, but it's a threat. And I think right. they have to consider the, the effects of the things they say. And I don't think they consider that. They're not. They're giving us the boogeyman scenario, just like he said last night in the interview. Now, you and I talked about it before. It's we don't have to believe or trust everything Putin says, but you've got to pay attention. There's a a certain viewpoint he wants you to have from listening to him. And just, you know, that going into. And remember, he is a sophisticated, uh, you know, how do I say it without sounding psychologically speaking? He's very sophisticated in his personality. He worked in an intelligence service. He knows exactly how to play the game, but he's poised. He's clear. I like that he stayed on topic. He didn't go all over the place. I love how Tucker laid that out for us as well, that he did not uh, filibuster the whole thing. He actually continued and gave us information. But you're right. He looked back to the, the politicians over here. When I saw Lindsey Graham and Chuck Schumer say that, I thought to myself, well, OK, are you guys going to be the first ones to kid up and lead yeah. the way? When because I made, the, I made the joke on I made the joke on Twitter, I'm like, all right, Lindsey Graham, if you want to do that, can we give you like a 1918 German yeah. army helmet and a musket and just see how it goes for you? Like, I just yeah, rather yeah. we do that. Yeah, keep your powder dry, chief. Let's see what you got. You know, and at the end of the day, that's that's the problem is, and it makes us kind of, and I get chills going, okay, dude, you're promising things. You're writing checks that we might not be able to, to cash here with our, and you're, you're asking guys that have already fought a war for a very long time. Hey, I'll throw those guys back at you. And it's like, what are you doing, guys? What are you, that's not leadership. And you're giving us this boogeyman scenario that, we're going to use our military might, like Putin said last night. You're using your American dollar for your your your, your global foreign political problems, and that's starting to deg- degrade the dollar, but also make you guys look weak. It's causing you guys to to seem like all you have is military might and your money, and you have nothing else to give. That's not leadership. That's not speak softly, carry a big stick at all whatsoever. We don't need but, to use the military for every problem. And I think that's something that just everyone seems to forget is, you know, once again, like I'm not a war guy, Wiley. I don't like people fighting, but at the same time, like strength creates peace. You know, you look, you look at, um, you know, the, 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 the Pax Romana, the first, I think it's like 130 years of the, of the Roman empire after Augustus took over, he put in this system that was a lot of strength and guess what? You know, sure. I, I don't agree with the guy being a dictator, but like there was peace for 130 years. And I think that's what people forget about is peace through strength. Right. And I, I'm not a war guy either. I don't think any veteran you talk to, unless they're psychopaths, will tell you we're war people. 
the reality is if you ask any real real warrior, any combat veteran who's actually seen combat, seen the, the casualties of war, the dead bodies, the p- things that the, the harm that is caused, regardless of the purpose or intent, ask any of us that will tell you lost friends is I would rather vote for fight for peace first. I'm always going to be prepared for war, but I'm never going to say that that's the, the, the number one go to strategy or tactic to solve sure. problems. I, it's you know what I grew up in in, in Southern California. I, I've had I've been in hundreds of street fights in my life, and I'm going to tell you it's like every single one I try to avoid long before they ever became a fight. Right. I would rather walk away and because it hurts, man. It yeah. just hurts. So take that on a grander scale. Going to war is not glory, glory and fun and, and exciting. The idea of getting shot at, and I had somebody who made a, a rude comment to me the other day about going back in, and I thought you have no idea what you're talking about. It's not, that's not fun. It's not funny uh, to say that. You're going to go back over there and get yourself shot up. And it's like, that's not funny to say that. That's nerve wracking. It's not, if you've never been in a two-way rifle range, you don't know what that feels like. So going back to your point here is like our leaders are the real problem here. I don't, it's, it's not about the public as a whole. The leaders are allowing the public to become what it is. The leaders are allowing the world to look at us the way they are. We need strength in our leadership. It sometimes God uses imperfect men to accomplish those tasks. The idea of getting rid of the idea of God, getting rid of the strength and making it look like that's the problem, getting somebody who's soft-spoken but is really nefarious underneath the surface is the real problem. And I think that's what we're experiencing right now. And especially in the military, some of the brass that I know, I have a buddy of mine who's a sergeant major and he said, look, dude, I told a guy, I called a guy stupid the other day. Okay. Wiley called the guy stupid. This guy is a former ranger, uh, ranger regiment, et cetera. And he goes, I got reprimanded by my senior officer for calling wow. the guy stupid. And he's an infantry guy. That's what we, that's how we talk to each other. It's just a normal thing. What are you stupid? And, and it blew my mind. He goes, I got a letter of reprimand, rep, of reprimand in my file as a command sergeant major because this guy tattletailed on him. And I thought, what are we doing in our military? So he, he says, Wiley, you don't understand what's happening in our military is happening in the politics. It's all bleeding in here. These DEI push, this woke ideology, the idea that we have to be prepared to go defend other borders when our border is bleeding. He goes, we're, we're confused. And when you create confusion, evil persists, problems come about. And now we have we have real serious issues that we have to address. And then and we're going to get to the point, Jeremy, where it's going to be too late. We're going to be so far. It's like the person that waits till they're they're nearly dead before they decide to change their health. That's I think we're in the stages of that right now, and it's got to be stopped somehow. And I, I guess when we look at that, and this kind of goes more into the to the the work we do with clients as well. But I, I, I guess mm-hmm. like, are we? I don't want to say weaker, but like, um, like I think we're missing like that that toughness, that tenacity, that that hardiness. Yeah. And I guess when you look yeah. at that, like. How do we get that back, whether it's on an individual level or it's on a military level? Because I, I think like we're not prepared to like not have electricity for two or three days or like, you know, if, if there was like <laughs> no. like people wouldn't no. handle that well. Like 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 no. how do you describe that? It does start, I think, in the family. So we it's another thing I know you talk about is the family unit. Peace within the family unit breeds peace in the world. It, it It's there's. The reason why we don't have that is because we're ripping the family unit apart. We're destroying what that means. So starting with the family unit, getting fat families, parents, mothers, fathers, children, battle-proofed, if you will, we use that terminology, for the types of challenges that we're going to face in an ever-changing world, starts at home. Strengthening your children through discipline, strengthening them through the restriction of 
of, you know, different uh, vices and things that they want. Saying no, starting there breeds better human beings for for communities and for the society as a whole. So it, it actually starts at that root. We have to get back to the foundations of fundamentals, which is the family unit, then the communities themselves. And we've got to get people involved in real grassroots movements. And like I said, create a consortium of people that respect and value the sanctity. It's not about being religious it's not about being political. It's about being moral. It's about seeing the truth of what a family unit does for the whole, getting that back. What we also need to do is we need to get leaders out of their positions that allow themselves to be compromised, that allow yes men to dictate and control their advisement. We need leaders to be stretched and challenged and they need to be, how do I put it? It's like holistically trained, right? Get, get these guys, get those military guys into these areas more robustly to start really rattling these leaders from within, changing their personal lives matters. Because I think what's happened is a lot of these people effectively create change in their professional lives and they, they don't really touch on the personal problems people face. The clients I work with are that. It's like their whole lives of success are on the professional side while their, mil their lives at home with their wives or children are in shambles. Well, if you get those two in the, uh, into a good place, they optimize one another. Now, holistically, that's a better version of that person, their decision making, their processing, their thinking, their focus, their ability to problem solve, all of that changes drastically. And then they stop making mistakes or, you know, becoming compromised in their leadership. And then that's how we start to influence the change, almost like a trickle up effect into the higher levels of, of leadership. But we, it, you can't attack it from the outside. You can't bring someone in and say, you're going to go into politics and un-F the heck out of everybody in politics right from the top because nobody's gonna listen to you. So it really does start by getting the family unit tight and right back on track. We have to stop letting people just make up whatever they wanna make up for it. And then we have to get leaders and communities to be willing to push back. You have to be willing to fight. And I think we have to stop worrying about what people are gonna think, what people are gonna say, how they're gonna to react to you. You gotta be willing to embrace the suck of that and go, you know what? I'm gonna say something and you're not gonna like it, good. Like Vivek does, he stands there and says stuff. People talk back and push back at him. He just sits in it, he just sits with it. Don't matter if you like him or not, he sits in it. And he's willing to have that hard conversation and embrace the discomfort of it, no matter what, to get to the solution where we can find common ground and create real change. And that's the, that's the thing that we need to do right now. So, well, Wiley, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I know we've been we've been meaning to have this one for a while. So for people listening, if they want to connect with you, if they want to follow you, um, I know you're on X. Where can people find you? Yeah, at Wiley McGraw there. Uh, I'm enjoying the conversations with everything going on right now. But uh, WileyMcGraw.com is the website. We can find some more insights and philosophies that you and I have talked about today. Um, and those are the two main places that I'm hanging out right now. Very cool. Wiley McGraw, thank you so much for coming back on, man. We'll definitely have to do this again soon. Absolutely, brother. Thank you.